0: just felt it was appropriate to uh, uh, really just align our focus with Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we come to the sixth sign of Jesus. I'm just going to hold this up because that's hard to say. Sixth sign of Jesus. Uh, It's, yeah, sixth sign of Jesus is what we're looking at this morning. And for me, personally, I, I honestly, I connect with this sign or this miracle I think more than, than any other for a few reasons. It's slightly weird, it's slightly odd uh, in the miracle, but um I, I find a connection with this because I see a question in this miracle that I often hear, or in even a question, honestly, that I will often ask. The question is, why? How many of you have ever asked the question, why? Yeah, yeah, we all have. Uh, Why didn't you clean your room? Right? You said you were going to clean your room six hours ago, but you're still playing Fortnite. So where are we at? (laughs) Room isn't clean. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Why did you slap your brother? Or is that just our house? Pray for us, okay? Um, Why do I not work out? Definitely me. I I need to, you know, yeah, like I, I know I need to do this, but I just don't do it. Why do I not do it? I don't know. I'd rather watch Netflix and eat popcorn, right? Why, 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 why? And here's the thing I'm probably not alone in asking this question why? Maybe even when you walked in this morning, why do we have random things hanging and all of this? You will hear at the end of service why? So just wait. It's going to be cool. It's exciting. Why is this happening? Why is this going on? When we we ask the question why, what we're really saying is, what was the cause? Give me the reason that this did or did not happen. Like, I need to wrap my, my mind and my brain around why. I've even had this discussion with God in my life. And you see, I grew up where you didn't question God. You, you didn't ask him why because that was disrespectful. And then as a kid, I read the Bible, and I'm like, but he knows what I say before I ever say it, and he knows my thoughts, right? <laughs> so why can't I ask him why? You know, I like, never got an answer. See, the reality is we can ask God why. We could still ask him why in a respectful and honorable way. God, why didn't you heal my family member or why won't you heal me now? God, why am I facing this, this tragedy, this difficulty, or this pain in my life? God, why? What is the cause? Yes. This same question is asked in our text today. By the disciples, they're asking why. They're looking for the cause, for the reason of of something specific. And Jesus' response is profound, and honestly, it's a little odd, and we're going to learn from it this morning. Jesus is going to teach us this morning something great that we must focus on. You ready? All right, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7 says this, it says, As he went along, being Jesus, he saw a blind a man blind from birth. That's important. He's been blind since day one. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is a day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, catch it, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground. (laughs) He made some mud with the saliva. You again. And he puts it on the man's eyes. Verse 7. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. It's an odd miracle, right? It's a little different. It's definitely an odd story, but it's an amazing miracle, and we're going to talk about it. But it begins with the question of why? The disciples and Jesus are walking along, and and for some reason, Jesus notices this man blind from birth, and and, and the disciples ask him, hey, uh, who sinned that this guy has been blind from birth? Why is this dude blind? What is the cause of this? See, the reason they were asking it that way was that the Jewish thought of their day was that they were taught that specific sins of specific people caused suffering. So in other words, they're saying obviously he's suffering, he's a blind man, either his parents sinned or he sinned, get this, before he was ever born, like in the womb. I don't know what he was doing in there, but it's like, So that was a a teaching of their day, and Jesus is going to show them a new way, actually. But in the mind of the disciples, they can only picture, all they can fathom, all they can wrap their mind around is someone caused this. His suffering is the result of someone's sin. Now, we we must be very clear, and, and honestly, to me, this begs a question, when we're looking at suffering and we're talking about these things of, well, uh, where does suffering come from? Where do all these things arise? And really, there's a lot of opinions out there and a lot of answers and, and Bible verses that are taken out of context and all of these kinds of things. But, but let's be clear. First off, suffering exists in our world today. It does. Bad things happen to good people. And ultimately, it is a result of Genesis chapter 3, when you read your Bibles, that God created Adam and Eve, everything was perfect, it was flawless, it was perfection, they were in intimate relationship and community with God, and God said, you can do anything you want, just don't eat the fruit of that tree. And they were like, well, that tree looks pretty good, (laughs) so I think I want that tree, you know the story. And so they ate of the fruit, and in that moment, sin, capital S, entered our human race. Mankind made the choice to say, God, we don't want your way. We want to be our own gods. We, mankind, we took God off of the throne of our heart, and we put ourselves there. I want to do what I want to do. Sin entered our human race, and so therefore we are fallen beings in a fallen world. That's where we live. And the Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 8 that everything, including creation itself, the earth, the world, the creation, it is all moving towards death and decay. That's a happy sermon right there, isn't it? Like, woo, all right. It gets better, don't worry. That's what Romans chapter 8 teaches us, that ultimately, that because of sin, that we are fallen beings in a fallen world. And so when we talk about suffering and where does suffering come from, well, ultimately, it comes from sin, capital S, the, the, the fallen nature of man all around us. Also, suffering comes from our own choices, consequences to our action i can't blame everything on mama eve and papa adam right so like my grandfather for instance thank god he 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 followed the lord he got saved before he died but he was a man who smoked cigarettes for 50 years and he got lung cancer and he died from lung cancer he could not blame god for getting lung cancer his choices in life gave him lung cancer And so sometimes we we have to be very careful that we don't play God in other people's lives and say, well, if you weren't living in sin, maybe all this bad stuff wouldn't happen. That's tough. But in this passage, in this passage, instance in this story of Jesus, and really the reason Jesus came, and, and when we're talking about a fallen world and a fallen race, it's all uh, pointing us to Jesus Christ. And in this passage, Jesus does not assign any specific sin to the suffering of this man. Jesus doesn't tell us that. I love his answer to their question. Verse 3, let's look at it again. It says this, it says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus said, nope, sorry guys. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. What was Jesus teaching us? He's teaching us that the purpose is greater than the cause. That's hard. I'm going to be honest with you, this week, writing this sermon, many times... Some people say, oh, it's such a great sermon. Most of the time, it's because the preacher was messed up by it the week before, (laughs) okay? (laughs) You're just writing it. You're like, oh, I'm sorry, God, you know? This is hard. What are we talking about when we say the purpose is greater than the cause? When we look at cause, we're talking about those questions of why. Why is this happening? Why is this going on? What is the reasoning? And see, the the purpose answers the question, how? How? God, how are you going to take this situation in my life, this difficulty, this pain, how are you going to use it for the glory of your name and the further of your kingdom? God, how? The purpose is greater than the cause. But listen, here's the reality. Oftentimes, folks, we can't see the purpose in the moments of our suffering and our pain. It's hard to see. I mean, the last thing that I want to hear when I'm going through tough times is, it's okay, God has a purpose. I know he does. Okay, I know. But I don't want to hear that right now. (laughs) I don't want to. I can remember when Sarah was was pregnant with Abigail, uh, our second child. We were married pretty young. I was 19. She was 20. I do advise that. Some people say they don't. I do. It's cool. And uh, we got married. We knew we loved each other. We got married, started having kids, and Connor was born a year later. And then Sarah got pregnant with Abby <laughs> not too long after that. I don't recommend that one. But Sarah got pregnant with Abby, and, and uh, about month, four, or five, she was having blood pressure issues and all of these things. And uh, she had preeclampsia in her pregnancy. Basically, because of high blood pressure, if, if, the, if the mother doesn't like go on bed rest, like stay in a bed for the next six months or five months until this baby comes out, then you're going to cause birth defects in the child, okay? And so she had to go into the hospital at month seven, I think, of her pregnancy, and she had to go into the hospital, and she was there night and day, every hour, every minute, that was hard i missed my wife not only was i missing my wife let me let me tell you a little bit about what was going on then i had 10 month old connor my oldest son by myself by myself my in-laws lived close to us they would watch him in the evenings so that i could go and wait tables because that was how i paid for electricity and water and food because we had to have those things right Then on the side, I was a youth pastor, part-time. There's no such (laughs) part-time. And then as well, I was in Bible college and university and seminary trying to get my degree. And I remember one particular night, Sarah was in the hospital. She was gone. The next morning, I actually had to write a final exam for one of my courses, And then after that, I was going to have to go to the church and write my sermon for the youth service coming up. And then after that, the next day, I would go and work a 10-hour shift as a waiter. Life was tough. It was like 3 in the morning, and Connor was just crying and crying and crying. I was like, oh, dear God. (laughs) I remember saying, God, I can't do this. God, I cannot do this. He finally fell asleep, praise God, around 4 in the morning. I laid in bed trying to get a two-hour nap before I had to go write my final exam. And I remember asking God, God, why? Why? I'm 21 years old. I'm not out partying and running around and clubbing and with all the ladies and trying to do this and that. No, no, no. I'm trying to lead teenagers to Jesus. I'm trying to train for Bible college so I can be a good pastor someday, God. I'm trying to be a good husband for my wife and take care of my kids. Why? Can I tell you that night, I didn't get an answer. God didn't show up in, in, in a big, you know, bright light and a vision and all of these kinds of things. But now, looking back, 11 years later, I can see that really I was asking the wrong question. And I can see what God was doing because, you see, here's the thing. When we look at suffering in our world and when we look at hard times and suffering in our own lives, it's so easy to get drowned in the question of why. We can drown in that question. We can literally mess up our emotional and psychological health by saying, God, why, what is going on? And staying in that place. I'm not saying don't ask that. I'm not saying don't be real with God. But I'm saying we must find a way to move beyond that. The better question that we must bring ourselves to ask is, God, how are you going to use this for your glory? You see, there is a purpose, friends. God took the blindness of this man, the, the innocent kid, the innocent baby that was born blind from birth, who grew up to be a man, and walking in blindness his entire life. It was not his fault, it wasn't the fault of anyone else, but God took that situation and he used it for a greater purpose. There's a purpose. God can take anything and everything that we face and use it for his greater purposes. Paul told the church of Corinth actually he told them he said guys he gave them this list of things that he had been through and then he told them it's crazy he talked about being shipwrecked uh, being beaten almost being uh, uh, stoned to death I mean all of these things and he told the, told the church of Corinth he said guys listen this is but a light and a momentary affliction when it's compared to the eternal glory that is to come he said what you're facing right now it's a light I know it may not feel that way, it may not feel momentary, but put your mind and your eyes on eternity, because Paul says it's light and it's momentary, there's a purpose for it, it's doing something in eternity that you cannot understand right now, there's a purpose for you and I, just like there was for this blind man, this man born blind, and I want to look at it a little bit deeper, this miracle this morning That Jesus did this miracle. I mean, it's definitely odd, right? I mean, we can say that. Uh, Jesus spits on the ground. He makes some mud. And I was talking about this with my kids last night at dinner. They they didn't ask. I just told them what I'm going to preach on. (laughs) Sometimes they're the first audience and they're like, oh my gosh, dad, stop it. And, And so I, but I'm telling them, I'm like, yeah, imagine how much spit that took to make a mud pie. What does that teach us? Jesus was hydrated. (laughs) So drink your water and stop drinking so much Coke, right? And and juice. uh, There you go. WWJD. What would Jesus do? He would drink his water. So he could spit on the ground. So Jesus spits on the ground. (laughs) That's gross, Jesus. That's what he did. He had to have a lot. He took it and he makes a mud pie. I can make a mean mud pie. Just saying. y'all ever make those growing up, or was that just a hillbilly thing in Arkansas? (laughs) (laughs) might just be. I don't know. So we made mud pies because, you know, we didn't have anything else to play with, and we couldn't go in the house because the parents were like, stay outside and play. And I'm like, but it's hot. And they're like, there's a water hose. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay. Thanks, Mom, Dad. Love you, too. Jesus spits in the ground, he makes a mud pie, and he takes this man born blind, <laughs> and he rubs mud all over his face. So as if the situation wasn't bad enough, it's like, thanks, Jesus. <laughs> like I was blind, now my eyes are burning as well, because I have mud all in them. Jesus sometimes did some odd things, right? He did sometimes. Jesus rubs it on the man's eyes, and he tells him, go and wash in this pool. And the man somehow figures out how to get there. He makes his way there, mind you, blind with the mud pie on his face, okay? And he makes it all the way to the pool. He washes off, and the story tells us that as he makes his way home, the man can see. He was, he was blind from birth. He's never seen the birds that he has heard his entire life. And for the first time, because of Jesus Christ, he can now see them. He's never seen the trees. He's heard the wind rustle through them, but for the first time, he actually sees them. He, he's never seen the ground that his feet have walked on day after day after day, probably wondering, man, what did my parents do that caused me to be born blind? What did I do? Questioning his life, questioning his existence. We don't know. But then all of a sudden, the ground that he could not see, he sees for the first time. The man is healed. He's healed you see up until this point he simply just wandered through life aimlessly in darkness and now he sees for the first time remember the purpose is greater than the cause the bible tells us that jesus's response we read it verse three that this happens so that the works of god might be displayed in him listen this does not mean that God caused the blindness in the man. That's important, church. Rather, that God, through Jesus Christ, would use this man's blindness for a greater purpose. For a greater purpose. Maybe you've wondered in your life, God, why did that happen to me? Why did I have to face that or go through that? Ultimately, church, we can't tell you why. But we can say, you know what? God can take that and he can use it for his greater purpose. He can redeem it. He can buy it back. That's what our God does. That's why Jesus Christ came into this world was to redeem us and buy us back from the death and the sin and the hell that we are all headed towards without Jesus. God took this man's situation, and used it for his greater purpose. I want you to look with me at the end of the story, because I want us to wrap our minds around something this morning that's very, very important. Because you see, not only did Jesus come to restore this man's physical side, but his spiritual eyes as well. You got to see it. Look at the end of the story. John chapter 9, verse 39, he says this. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. What What is Jesus talking about? We'll see. Some Pharisees, good old Pharisees, who were there with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? See, they're mad at Jesus because guess what day it was when Jesus healed the blind man? The Sabbath. You got it. Yes. (laughs) Go back, listen to the other sermon. You'll get that joke. It was. It was a Sabbath, you know? And they even taught on that day, like, you could not knead dough. You know what I'm talking about? When you knead dough, when you're making some good baking stuff. Woo, my wife makes good baking stuff. You couldn't knead dough. And so they said, oh, Jesus, nope, you broke the Sabbath because you were kneading when you spit in the dirt and you made a mud pie. Illegal canceled (laughs) some pharisees were there and they heard him say this and they asked what are we blind too you get it and then jesus said if you were blind you would not be guilty of sin but now that you claim you can see your guilt remains See, Jesus is no longer talking to us here now about receiving physical sight. He's not just talking about physical sight and and a blind man, but he is speaking metaphorically of spiritual blindness. He is speaking metaphorically of blindness that every single one of us experience, no matter who we are. You see, John is doing something amazing when he writes this. He, he's following a Jewish line of reasoning and thought, okay? Follow me just for a moment. Has anyone ever taken a pebble or a rock and thrown it into a bottle of wa- a, a, a body of water? How many of you done that Pro- as a kid? Yeah, come on, we've all done that. So, so you take a rock and you throw it into some water, whether it's a lake, a dam, a river, or wherever it is, and when that rock hits the water, it creates what? What? Yes, yeah, there you go. So when that rock hits the water, it creates ripples, okay? Now, if you went and you threw a rock over here, boop, it would create ripples. And then at the same time you threw one over here, boop, it'll create ripples. And then if I went over here and threw a rock, boop, it's gonna create ripples. There you go. Okay, I know it's almost lunchtime, but we're almost there. Come on. And so this is what John is doing. This is how Jewish thought and reasoning worked. It was circular. Let me show you. In the beginning of chapter 8, remember, uh, one second, remember that your Bible is not written in chapters and verses. When John sat down and wrote his gospel, he wrote an entire letter inspired by the Holy Spirit. There were no chapters and verses. And so it's important for us as we read and study God's Word that we don't just pick out one little verse, but we read it within its context. So we read the chapter before it and the entire chapter and the chapter after it. And we see how does it fit with the rest of the book and how does that book fit in the Bible. You with me? All right, don't glaze over. I know we're getting kind of teachy-ish, but don't, okay. (laughs) And so here's what John does, actually, in the beginning of chapter 8. Jesus says... I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Boop, he throws a rock. And then in chapter 9, we read it, Jesus says it again. He says, I am the light of the world. Boop, he throws a rock. And then what we just read at the end in John chapter 9, he throws another one when he says and begins to speak about spiritual blindness and being able to see what is John doing. Watch, all of these things, these ripples eventually are going to connect. And they connect at the end of John chapter 9 when Jesus is saying, listen, guys, the reason I'm talking to you about being the light of the world and walking in darkness and the reason that I healed this blind man who has walked in darkness his entire life is I'm trying to teach you something that is spiritual, that all of us walk around spiritually blind in darkness because of sin. Jesus is teaching us, John is teaching us rather, that Jesus Christ came to restore to the spiritually blind Jesus came so that we would be able to open our eyes spiritually and we would be able to see just as a physically blind man will wander aimlessly in the dark so do we pass by people every day in our society who are wandering aimlessly in the dark there are family members and coworkers and friends and neighbors that cannot see spiritually. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ is the light that illuminates in the darkness. He alone can open the eyes of the Muslim man and the Muslim woman who is praying to Allah and trying to get into heaven without an assurance of salvation. Only Jesus Christ can open their eyes to see that Jesus is the only way to the Father. Only Jesus can open the eyes of our Hindu friends and our atheist friends and our secular humanist friends who say, Oh, I don't need God in my life. I don't have time for that. This man that was healed by Jesus Christ, I, I want you to look at his story a little bit more. Verse 35 says this, you got to read this chapter this week because it's so crazy, the conversations. The Pharisees put this man on trial, literally. They put him on trial. They bring in his parents. I mean, it's just crazy town, all right? It's a good drama to watch and read. And they actually cast this guy out of the synagogue. They pretty much excommunicate him from the community of faith. They throw him out because he won't admit that Jesus is a sinner. So verse 35 says, Jesus heard that they had thrown Him out and when he found him he said do you believe in the son of man remember this guy hasn't seen jesus at all he heard him when he was blind but he didn't actually see him and then when he went back jesus wasn't there and so here's what he says the man says in verse 36 who is he sir Who's the son of man? That was a title of lordship. That was a title to, to give to the Messiah. So he says, who is he? And the man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. See, he has physical sight, but now he's wanting his spiritual eyes to be open. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man would have recognized his voice because that's all he knew his entire life was, I got to listen because I can't see we got to listen. And he recognizes Jesus' voice. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. This was the purpose. Not only was his physical eye opened in this story and in this miracle, uh, but his spiritual eyes were opened as well. He saw Jesus Christ as Lord, and he believed in him, and he worshiped him where we get the song that's where the author was even inspired by the song amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me i once was lost but now i'm found i was blind but now i see that's literally from this man's words his spiritual eyes were open to see jesus christ as lord and he believed in him and he worshiped You see, church, God can take all of our suffering and pain and troubles, and he can use it so that the works of God might be displayed in us and through us. Is that your heart's desire today? See, for the purpose to become greater than the cause, Jesus Christ must be the supreme value of my life. If I'm really going to live this way where I can say, God, no matter what comes in my life, even though, yes, we may ask, why? God, what's the reason for this? And we may not be able to wrap our our minds or our brains around it. But can we say, God, no matter what comes, no matter what may happen in my life, Jesus, you are number one, and nothing else matters to me. And if I can glorify your name through that thing, then, Lord, I'm all yours. Man, that's next level faith, guys. That's becoming spiritually mature, where we're not just raising our hands and repeating a prayer to follow Jesus, but we're saying, Jesus, I will follow you no matter what, because you are all that matters. You're all that matters. Here's the reality. But this isn't easy. (laughs) But it's worship. It's not easy, but it's worship. Last year, some of you know this. Some of you, most of you don't. In December of 2020, I was having all these health problems and different things going on in, in my physical body. Didn't know what was happening. And I had to go to the doctor didn't want to. They tested my eyes. It was my vision, ironically enough. Some things were happening, and then they wanted to do uh, uh, this other thing to check out my optical nerve, and then they said, well, now you need to get an MRI because something's going on with your brain, and something's wrong there. And Sarah's like, I know. I've been trying to tell him, you know. (laughs) I'm like, no, not like that. Just kidding. She doesn't think. So they said, you gotta go get an MRI, you gotta get this thing, you gotta see what's happening. Did the MRI, like two days later, I didn't have a doctor because I didn't really ever go to the doctor. I've always been healthy. And a neurologist calls me, which is a doctor who studies the brain, who studies uh, nerves and all of those things in our nervous system. Doctor calls me and says, You need to go into the hospital and get on um, some treatments because you have lesions on your brain consistent with MS MS is multiple sclerosis and I was like what (laughs) so I went did all these things had to do more tests and then I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis it's a disease that has no cure and for some reason your immune system gets mad at your nervous system and says I don't like you anymore and it starts causing holes in your brain To say that I was just like, cool, whatever, God, I love you, this is great. I wasn't where I was. I laid in the hospital bed by myself for a few days and I remember asking God, God, why? Like, God, I I sold everything and went and served you, served your church in South Africa for two years. Like he owed me something. I was trying to bargain with him. That was my first mishap. <laughs> God, why? And I, I was trying to wrap my mind around it, trying to wrap my brain around it. And even still sometimes to this day, I say, God, what is going on? Because I want to do certain things and I can't and, and, and there's limitations. But can I tell you, I tell you that this story this morning, not to be like, whoa, that's so terrible, suffering pain. No, 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 no. But to help us understand that ultimately, I have to come to a place where Jesus is the supreme value of my life and I can say, God, no matter what may come, you're gonna use it for your glory. Either you're gonna heal me miraculously because there's no cure at all for this disease or you're gonna help me to lead others to you and to be dependent on you because Aaron sometimes thinks he can do it on his own strength. And the Lord's like, oh, you think you can do it on your own? I'm going to help you have a little something to depend on me Whatever you're facing today, can I tell you that the purpose is greater than the cause. And for us to see life that way, Jesus has to be the supreme value of our life. And when Jesus is the supreme value of our life, we can begin to see all of the spiritually blind people walking around in our society, especially right in our area, right here. They may drive a nice car. They may have nice clothes. They may look like they have it all together. But they're wandering around in the dark spiritually looking for hope hope. The hope that we sang about earlier this morning. And we have it, church. If you follow Jesus, you have it. Would you bow your heads with me this morning and close your eyes? Maybe you're here this morning and, man, you're just facing some tough things in life. And listen, I don't want to minimize those things at all. Maybe you're at that place where you're questioning. You're like the disciples. You're like, man, who, what did I do? Or what did, what did so-and-so do to cause this pain and this trouble? God, why is this happening in my life? It's a tough question, church. I want you to know this morning that the Lord is with you, that he will strengthen you, and that he will walk with you hand in hand in this life. When you feel like you're at your end And I just can't do it anymore I can't take it anymore Just lean into Jesus Just lean into God And just tell him, God, I need you Maybe you're there this morning Just whisper to him, God, I need you God, I don't get why This is hard, this is a lot of pain God, I need you Maybe you're here this morning And you say, you know, I follow Jesus I love him This is a tough thing to say that the purpose is greater than the cause. It is tough. But the Lord today, I feel like he wants to burden our hearts as a church for the spiritually blind in our community. For those who are wandering through life, looking for hope. God wants to use us, church, Father, I thank you for your word that is alive and active. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you take your word and you deposit it into our hearts. God, today we pray, open the spiritual eyes of our neighbors and friends who are lost and in darkness. The ones who, Jesus, they do not know you. They're not following you. They don't have a relationship with you. God, I pray, use us, God, for your greater purpose to see them come to salvation. God, use North Place Church. Use each and every one of us in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, to show the light of Jesus Christ to a world that's walking in spiritual blindness. God, your purposes are greater than anything else. Lord, I pray, use us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.